right, news roundup information overload hour, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I have been friends with, well, somebody Georgia knows really well, Herschel Walker, for many, many years. Um, And we spoke a while back, and he was really contemplating. He's looking like all of us at the state of the country and wondering, oh, my gosh, what can I do? What can I do? And he goes, Sean, I want to give back. I want to serve the people of Georgia. And then he said something I, I never hear from a politician. We're supposed to be public servants, and I want that job to be the public servant for the people of Georgia. He's going to explain it himself. Here is first the ad announcing that he's running. I'm a conservative, not because someone told me to be. I'm a conservative because I believe in smaller government, a strong military, personal responsibility, and making sure all people have the opportunity to pursue their dreams. That's an America worth fighting for. My name is Herschel Walker, and I'm running for the United States Senate. I'm a kid from a small town in Georgia who's lived the American dream. Herschel Walker joins us now. Uh, welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm glad you got in this race. By the way, everything well, I predicted so far has come true, hasn't it? It has come true, and I, you know, I'm happy I'm in the race as well. No matter how difficult they're going to try to make it, uh, they, they don't realize that I got true grit, and I'm not fighting for myself. I'm fighting for the people of Georgia and fighting for this country, so there's nothing they can do to stop me right now. Where did, where did this come from, this part of you come from? Because, I, I've, as you know, I've been doing radio 33 years. I've been in TV over 25, if I consider my time on TV in, in Huntsville, Alabama, and Atlanta, Georgia. 25 years of Fox. And I never heard anybody quite answer that question about why they want to do this the way you did when you said, well, Georgia gave me my whole life, and I want to be a public servant. And... You put a lot of emphasis on that. Explain. Well, the way I can explain it is, you know, I grew up in a small little town in South Georgia. Never, ever dreamed I can have an opportunity to play professional football, get an opportunity to go to college. And I got that dream. It came true. And when it came true, the state of Georgia supported me no matter what I, what I did. They supported me. They stood behind me. And I owe a lot to the state of Georgia. And I said, it, I'm going to fight for it right now. No matter what happens, I'm going to fight because I believe in the state of Georgia. I believe in this country and all the great things I've received from this country. I'm not going to let them down. I said I owe something to the uh, state of Georgia. I owe something to the United States. And, and, you know, you look at, look at, look where my life is at. You know, yeah, how can you ask me anything better? And so you got to give back from a great coach, Coach Landry, who said, uh, if you take something out of society, put something back in. Well, you can't say Herschel Walker hasn't taken a lot out of it. I've taken a great deal out of society, and I owe a lot to society. You know, I sit on the sideline for a long time. I, I really did because, you know, I thought politics really didn't really touch me. You know, being in a small town, you know, I'm so far removed, but I've seen where they've taken this country. I've seen where they've taken this country, where what is happening, how they've tried to change this country, and I don't like it. And I say I'm not going to sit on the sideline anymore. The great saying, put me in the game, coach. It's time for me to get in the game, and that's why I just tell people, just watch where I go. Watch it. I will speak for the people. I'm not here to speak for anyone except the people of the state of Georgia. Let me ask you about this, um, and I've watched the attacks. I, I think there was an effort to intimidate you by attacking you because uh, you wrote a, a, a very, very honest, open autobiography, and we know a lot more now about 
long-term injuries suffered by professional football players, college football players, and we call it CTE. And and you had discussed some of the difficulties and challenges that you faced post your football life in great detail. And then also, it's a story of triumph that you were able to triumph over these difficulties. Do you think football played a part in it, knowing all that we know now about about the hits that people that take, especially great players like yourself that play so many years? Well, to be honest, Sean, I don't know whether football played a part or just being bullied as a little kid. But one thing I can say is I, I, I did what everyone's supposed to do. I went and got help, and I talked to some great doctors that helped me to overcome a lot of the things that bothered me. And today I've never harmed anyone in my life. And so when these attacks comes out, it's kind of appalling and kind of insulting to me because the Herschel Walker has never harmed anyone in his life, and I would not harm anyone. My thing is I've helped people. That's one thing I do now is help people. Today I have a program called Patriot Support where I'm at a base every almost every three weeks. I'm at a military base somewhere in the world where I like to treat soldiers for any type of mental illness. I like to treat people, and that's what my life is about. My life is not harming people. So these attacks they're trying to put on me right now, it's not going to scare me off. It's not going to run me away. And I think all it's, it's not going to stick either, I can promise you right now, because people yeah, hear your heart. And your your faith, John, uh, before we get to the... They need, to, they need to realize that uh, I'm a lot tougher than that is. And all that does is fire <laughs> me up. I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor. And, like, guys, if you want to do things like that, keep doing them. Because I think the people know Herschel Walker. The people know the type of guy I am. That I, and when I say something, I mean it. I said I'm going to run for that Senate seat in Georgia, and I'm running. There's nothing they can do to stop me, so they can keep coming with their tax. Because it's not Herschel Walker running. It's the people of Georgia running. And I think the more attacks they have, they're attacking the state of Georgia, and I don't, and I don't like it. Let me ask you this, because I think this is really important. Faith plays such an important role in everything you do. And I remember when we had our first conversation that you might run, and I got wind of it, you said, I'm just going to spend time and in deep thought and, and make sure that this is the path that God wants me on in my life, because this is a big commitment, and you took that time. How did faith become such an important, integral part of who you are? Yeah, I grew up in a church. I grew up in a church in the South, and I was very, very blessed to have parents that raised me in a church. They gave me a faith that I never give up. They gave me a faith in God, and, and that's what I have right now. And God has carried me through. He's been my blocker. Right now, he's my blocker. And I said I wanted to take the time when I was thinking about whether I want to run or not and get into my faith. And to be honest with you, Sean, this was the reason that I'm not going to stop. And when I told everyone, I said, guys, if there was someone better, I would not run. I would support them. <clears throat> if I thought there was someone better, I would not run. I would support him. But what I did is I, I got in my faith, and all of a sudden it got to the point no one came up that I thought could beat uh, the senator today. No one came up that can beat him. So I decided I'm going to run because I know I can beat him, and I'm going to run because I can speak for the people. For the voice for the voiceless, I can do that for them. Because when I get to Washington, I'm not there to speak for the people there in Washington. I'm there to speak for the people of Georgia and speak for the United States. We're the greatest country in the world, and I and I don't like what's being done in this country right now. So we're the greatest country in the world. Let me ask. Let's talk about politics because that's a big part of it. Um, and let's talk about. You mentioned in your ad you're a conservative. Explain what a, being a conservative means to you i have my definition of a conservative i've been one my entire career i've not changed 
Well, and you, what does that mean to you? Well, being a conservative, John, mean to me, you got to believe in the military. Being a conservative means that you got to believe in uh, lower taxes. Being a conservative means that you got to believe in the people. You got to take care of the people. That's the most important thing. And I said, that's what I am. That's what I've been thinking about. That's what I've been dreaming about. You know, having a, a you know school choice. You know, one thing about it is education. You know, being a conservative is taking care of the people. And I think that's what people got to get back to. It's not about politics anymore. And we got to drop that about the politics. You know, I said, we got to forget about the Democrat, the Republican. I'm not just running just for the conservative. I'm running for everybody. And that's what I said in my, my announcement speech. I'm running for everybody that thinking that America is the greatest country in the world. And that's what I'm running for. It is the greatest country in the world. Let me ask you this. Because um, as a conservative, I have my list. My list is liberty, freedom, capitalism, the Constitution. I start there. What do those things mean to you? Well, you know, uh, it's funny because liberty means freedom. Constitution means freedom. And that's one of the things I told someone one time. I said, guys, when you start looking at the Constitution, it is the most well-written document you can ever, ever think about. And I said, and when you read it, everything people have been fighting about is in the Constitution. But what you got to do is hold people accountable. Nobody want to be held accountable for what they do. you got to hold people accountable and hold them responsible for what they're doing. What they're doing to this country. You can't change the Constitution. How can you change the Constitution? There's no party big enough that should be out trying to change the Constitution. What they should be doing is getting into the Constitution, trying to hold true to the Constitution. Let me ask you about taxes and regulation. Your thoughts. Well, taxes, first of all, should be lower. And regulation, you know, we got to get out of letting the, letting the government raise your kids. Regulation is regulation is control. Regulation is uh, trying to control people, and I think that's the, what we got to get away from, is get away from the government running your life. Right now, when the government is running your life, you see what is happening. I think the people see right now the gas prices are going up. You see right now mom and dad, they can't go to the store and buy milk. You know, the prices are going up. You see what's happening with our military. Well, it's just shame what's going on right now in Afghanistan. You know, we have Americans that are dying right now. We have America's dying. We have our, our neighbors, our allies that we put trust in. What is more important? Your word is very important. Well, right now, America's word is, is bad. You know, how in the world can you leave your friend? You know, how can you leave your friend? You know, that's what I want people to get back to. Get back to honesty. Get back to trust. Get back where they can trust people. And that's why I said I want to go to Washington. And people that know me and people that, that would get to know me, they'll see that I'm a man of my word. They'll see that I'm very honest. They'll see that I'm godly. Yeah, see that I want to make things happen and see that everything is good. You wouldn't have, uh, based on your comments, gone along with this disaster of a withdrawal of Biden. But also look at what's happening with the borders. Donald Trump made the country energy independent for the first time in 75 years. He appointed more judges that believe in, in their limited role as a co-equal branch of government, the Constitution, uh, unlike the philosophy of judicial activism. Um, we ha we need but everything for every American. Isn't it first predicated on law and order and safety and security in every city and town? And isn't it also based on, um, you know, simple principles uh like supporting the police to have law and order and the choice in schools. Look how many school districts are failing our kids. Well, first of all, Sean, when you get to law and order, we have to have law and order to even have discipline in a country. And that's the reason we're a great country that we are. We have law and order. We have rules. You know, and do certain things we need to make better. We can make it better. And then you need borders to even have a country. If you have no borders, you have no country. Right now, what we seem to be having, we haven't, we invited people over to our house 
but if people can come in that you don't even know and tell you that you want to change the furniture around. They don't like your house, so we're going to start changing things around. we got to get away from that, get back to uh, people that love this country, people that are legal in this country, and there's no doubt we can take care of our neighbors. You, that's what you're supposed to do. But let's first take care of home. First, let's take care of home. We have people starving on the street. Right now, you know, education, education. We need to get people, get everyone to get a great education. And then I think we can get to making things better. You know, it's a, there's a lot of work to do. You know, one of the things that I've admired about you is that when you set your mind to something, you go full force. Uh, how many push-ups and sit-ups do you do a day? And I'm asking this in the context that even at the, at after your great football career, you, you had a pretty successful career uh, as a UFC fighter and getting in the octagon, which takes a lot of guts for anybody to get in that octagon. Uh, but when you train for that, you train real hard. Uh, tell us about your daily workout routine. Well, today I'm still doing 1,500 push-ups, about 3,500 sit-ups. So I do those every day. I'm still trying to get on an exercise bike. So now I'm starting to travel and hit the campaign trail. So I'm still trying to get on an exercise bike and go about 30 miles a day. And if I can get in a little bit of a run, a jog, where I'm out jogging, I think that would be wonderful if I can get that. But if I can't, I do get it on an exercise bike. And that get me going in the morning. That get me warmed up and then late at night. I try to do a little bit more, whether it's the push-ups or the sit-ups. So I'm still doing that, along with trying to do something. That's you, you're not doing 1,500 push-ups at once is what you're telling me. No, no, no. I no, do no. about it's 250 it's a day, so I'm, I'm, I'm close. Uh, not quite as close yeah. as you, though. And we've done push-ups together. We've had a lot of fun doing that. Yes. No, I tell you, I, I was so impressed with your push-ups. I was sure I was so impressed with uh, everyone that I said, Sean is in shape. I said, Sean is in shape. And... I said, I'm going to have to take him to the mat and see what he do when we get No, nah, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of things, Herschel. I know my limitations. I'm not stupid. Um, you're a great man. You got an awesome heart. Um, I love your message. You'd be a, a great senator. I know you would be. And um, I'm really looking forward to watching this race unfold. And uh, people want to get in touch with you. How do they write you or contact you or whatever? Well, I love everyone to go to TeamHerschel.com and whatever they can give. Is they show people that you're going to get behind Herschel Walk and get behind this country. So no matter what attacks they come at me, that you got Herschel that is going to stand for you. So just go to uh, TeamHerschel.com and do whatever you can for Herschel. Donate whatever you can, 5 $10 or whatever you can do. All right, Herschel Walker, we appreciate you being with us. We're going to follow this race closely. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. When we come back, the fate of women as the Taliban deadline now looms large and efforts of people in the United States to get women out of there as quickly as possible as we continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our number. Uh, one of the things we have highlighted is life uh, in the previous regime of the Taliban 20 years ago for women. It was despicable. And women now are being taken as sex slaves, even even young girls taken as sex slaves for Taliban fighters. Women are not allowed to leave their house. They must dress a certain way or they will be beaten. Many have been beaten. Some have been beaten because they didn't like the uh, some Taliban fighters didn't like the way they cooked or they wouldn't cook for them. Anyway, once one female Afghan journalist her life is on the line. She has chronicled her many moves uh, to avoid the Taliban. They are after her. After we play this, well, you hear an incredible story about rescue effort of, uh, of female judges from Afghanistan who will be murdered if they are caught 
by the Taliban. I don't know what will happen to me because if they find me, they will kill me. They are checking for the people who always talked against them. Every day I'm changing my address to be sure that uh, they can't track me. The Taliban can't track me down. They can't search for me. They can't find me. So I'm changing my address. My friends are afraid because they think that they might be targeted because of me. I can't trust my friends. How sad is that? Alison Renault is here to talk about her effort to save 200 female judges from Afghanistan who prosecuted the Taliban. An Oklahoma mother of 11 flew to the Mideast earlier this month to help rescue 10 members of the country's uh, all-girls robotics team. Is now hoping to save more as the Taliban has taken over Kabul. Um, anyway, a 60-year-old Harvard grad, master's degree in international relations and U.S. space policy, took it upon herself to save members of the Afghan girls' robotic team. She flew into Qatar on August the 9th after making a Hail Mary call to a former roommate at the U.S. embassy there to help the girls from uh, ad the advancing Taliban, known for their oppressive treatment of women. Allison, thank you for being with us. What a courageous story. And from what I can tell, you've been able to save lives of innocent people. It's a pleasure to be with you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I was on a one-way ticket to Qatar, and when I encountered my former roommate in the embassy in Qatar, uh, she said, no need to travel. Uh, I've got this. You need to stay on the ground and help these, these uh, ladies to freedom. So it was falsely reported, and I just want to make sure that's clear. It doesn't take away from the story and the miracle of getting 10 girls out of a, a city of 8 million people in chaos. So um, just uh, that media coverage alone uh, got in into the heart of Afghanistan with Afghan women, and I began to receive cries for help night and day. Uh, in particular, um, women Afghan judges, um, they have been fired. They are in hiding. They are being hunted, as you said. Uh, reports that two of them have been uh, assassinated, one almost beat to death, and a video I received a couple of mornings ago of one of their colleagues uh, being blinded. So these ladies are, are uh, desperate and um you know, when I they first reached out to me just to vet the situation, I said, please send me a list of names and their emails. And I thought I would receive 20, 20 Afghan women judges, and it ended up being 212 that are in hiding. It's quickly become Schindler's List. They have children. They have spouses. And honestly, Sean, what worked for the um, robotic team, uh, the Qatar government really stepped up along with our officials on the ground in Kabul. It's not going to work for, for this group. So I was back at scratch again saying, um, you know, calling out to God really for let's start a new team. Um, I need some help and didn't put that really out on social media or anything. And suddenly I began to get uh, text messages, uh, one from a former NASA general counsel, a good friend of mine, a female, uh, which then she tapped into her legal network. Yale Law School got on board and helped us compress the data quickly. Uh, ambassadors to the EU extraction teams on the ground, planes offered, and, um, you know, suddenly the hand of Providence has given us a dream team. So um, that's kind of the story of, of you know, what's, what's going on, but um, I have more to share if you'd like to ask. Well, it sounds like your efforts have, have paid dividends, and there are other people, but I think now the situation has become quite untenable. Do you have any people uh, actively that you're working to get out now? Uh, do you have pe people you're in contact with at 
Karzai International Airport, people that have been there for the terror attack. Well, we were warned uh, through intel on the ground in um, Kabul that the How come you have better intel, it seems, than Joe Biden? Because I seemingly have better intel as well, because the CIA, Mm -hmm. the DOD, and everybody else in the world was trying to warn him to get out in April and May. And nobody was paying attention, apparently. But anyway, I I digress. That's okay. Um, We were warned that the... uh, the situation at the airport had been breached by ISIS a couple of days ago. Um, Taliban had taken, and this is what I heard, I, I'm just telling you what I heard, that uh, Taliban had taken uh, control of air traffic uh, control tower on the uh, civilian side. And so we knew probably that, that our plan A to get them out on airplanes was not going to work. But we, we've been encouraging these ladies every day, telling them to stay strong. If plan A doesn't work, we're going to plan B. Plan B doesn't work, we're going to C. We're going to D. And when the Americans evacuate, uh, we're not leaving these ladies alone. We're going to go after every single one of them. We're not going to leave one of them behind. And by God's mercy, he's going to help us. And Allison, we have, um, Allison created, how, yes, yes. How, how could you possibly, if they're caught behind enemy lines of a terrorist organization in control of the country, what is Plan D? There is no Plan D. There always is a plan. I worked. Uh, I was up at NASA headquarters in Washington, D.C., and one thing I learned was the mantra of failure is not an option, so we're not going to quit. I don't know how it's going to work, Sean, but we have other options besides... I admire you. Uh, I'm grateful for your courage. You know, we had, we had special ops forces on the ground for a week that wanted to go into Kabul and rescue Americans, and they were told to stand down, just like Benghazi. Again and again and again. And I've confirmed that from five separate sources that were mm-hmm. briefed on the situation. Uh, I so admire I, you, uh, Allison. Anything that we can do or any information we can, we can you know, pass on to you or you can pass on to us, we'll gladly share it with this audience. Thank you for all your efforts. Thank you, sir. Just a uh, prayer and just, um, I just want to say to Mr. President, if you can hear me, we just need more time. We need more time. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Nathan, North Carolina, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Yeah, hi, Sean. Uh, thanks for taking my call. So my biggest thing that I don't understand is I, I spent over 30 months in Afghanistan, and over 20 of that was spent in Bagram Airfield. And I feel like that's kind of bearing the lead because people aren't really talking about this part of the, the story. We're trying to get all these people out through Kabul, and that's just an airfield inside of a city. But what people aren't, it's getting lost in translation, is the size of Bagram Airfield. This place is over almost 30 square miles large. It has infrastructure. We've built a, this place up. It's almost a city at this point. And we could have easily housed all the people that we needed to get out of there, civilians, military personnel. We could have gotten our equipment out that way. And we just abandoned that before we even did the due diligence to get all of the other stuff that we need down there. You know, obviously, the human lives aspect is the most important part of this. And even even like the 100,000 people that we've gotten out in the last week or two, that easily could have been processed in that one airfield. It was our largest base in the entire theater. It was also an area where we could protect the perimeter. Um, the Trump plan, it's fascinating you bring this up because I've had this discussion with numerous senators and congressmen and uh, former Trump officials uh, at the highest level. That was part of the Trump plan, not just to never... It, we, we were never giving that airfield back. We built it, we own it, and we were going to stay there for geopolitical purposes uh, in case things got out of control. And and remember, the, the number one 
threat of President Trump to the Taliban was, if you move out of your area, we will obliterate you. And that was said before any other discussion went forward. And it was said numerous times throughout any discussions. And for the last 18 months, Donald Trump was president. Not a single American died in Afghanistan. I think that speaks volumes about how they believed him. And like like you were saying, like we had the perimeter established. This wasn't just a chain link fence. We had concrete barriers around the place. We had guard towers every so often, multiple entry control points. We had the C-Rams in place to protect from incoming enemy mortar and rocket fire. Like, you know, we may have had to surge a little bit more troops back to that area, but it was a hardened location. It would have been easily defensible, a lot more so than just some random airport inside of a city that's already in a foreign hostile country. You know what I'm saying? Well, it, it and all of it, as you know, was preventable. Oh, all of it was preventable. And, you know, it's just to me, I'm, I'm kind of blown away that we've allowed America to disintegrate after 20 long years into this when the options were phenomenal for us in March, April, May, June, even even late, even into July. Right. But, and with something like this, we we definitely would have had, you know, there should have been more of a plan. We could have been doing this for months. We didn't have to leave 200 aircraft, 75,000 vehicles, over 600,000 weapons. But, you know, we could have convoyed C-5 galaxies into that place. And if you've ever seen those things, uh, people would be talking about the uh, C-17s that were loading up with people. A C-5 galaxy, you can fit six buses inside of that thing you know we don't have to cram 800 people on top of each other in c-17s we could do that as well we have a very large fleet of those but our capabilities when the military actually starts putting that rubber to the road we can accomplish things that no one else on this planet can we could have been doing this for months the uh, the intel seems like it has been there uh, you know, this may not necessarily be 100% on Biden, but he is the decision maker in the end. But in the end, somebody's going to have to answer this for for this just complete lack of planning because there was. Um, a, a you you seem to, you know, you seem more capable of being the commander in chief than our current commander in chief. Anyway, I appreciate your call. I wish I had more time for you. Thank you for your service, sir. Bernadette is in Long Island, New York. Hey, Bernadette, glad you called. I just wanted uh, to say I have four boys. All four are currently serving. I have two special forces. I know where three of my boys are. One I am is somewhere where I, you know, am not. He was deployed, and he is not allowed to tell me where. He is obviously, uh, I'm sure, in the midst of all this. Um, I just want to say that leave no one behind is very serious for these men and women in our military. This is this is. Serious. These are their brothers, their sisters. And when we have a commander-in-chief, as we have now, it totally freaked me out. I am telling you, I need the biggest bully in that White House. I am begging for President Trump to get back because I did not worry when he was our commander-in-chief. As soon as Biden got in, however he got in, I am telling you, I've been worried about something like this. He Joe is Biden is in charge of this. He isn't currently the commander-in-chief of the United States. Elections have consequences. Yes, do I believe that laws were not followed like partisan observers didn't observe? Yeah, that's why I've been pushing for election reform so hard and saying it's so important. But right now, 
This is Joe Biden's disaster. He caused it. Now, I don't know what ideas President Trump or anybody else, for that matter, might have, considering how dire a situation they have now put us in. It, it's humiliating. It's disheartening. It's tragic. It's uh, And it's tragic on a whole other level because we watched the march of the Taliban and we could have stopped them cold. We did not. And there's no good reason why. There's never they've they've ever asked that important question. Just a few important questions. Why do you trust the Taliban? Why didn't you, as the Taliban was on the march in April and May and June and July, why didn't you see this coming? And while you had control, why didn't you immediately step up evacuation plans? Why did you leave our military equipment behind? $83 billion worth. You know, why did you, you're bragging about having total control of the airport? Well, apparently not. And we know the Taliban had control of the perimeter of the airport and the rest of Kabul that they had to admit. Why did you let that happen? I, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, and, and now the question is, and I don't have, a, I don't have the answer. Yeah. You're right. And what do we do now? There's the big question of the day. If anyone has that answer, I'm all ears because I really, really don't have the perfect answer because it's not a perfect answer. Every option is extraordinarily dangerous, difficult, challenging and and will likely result in American deaths. But then what's what's plan B? Just leave them behind to fend for themselves. And then we'll work on what diplomatic and economic options on the table. What we're going to start paying ransom for the Americans they left behind. Are we going to make them pay back for all the money and all the equipment we gave them left for them? There were no provisions made for that. We didn't extract Black Hawk helicopters. Now we've got now we've got Taliban fighters flying Black Hawk helicopters. God help us. Quick break right back. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight. We have a, sp- a special interview we don't want you to miss. 9 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. We'll give you the very latest on the ground as this timeline that Joe Biden is adhering to approaches very quickly uh, on Tuesday. That'll be Monday, our time. Um, so we'll get into that. But the vice president of Afghanistan, who didn't flee the country like the president, will join us exclusively for his first interview as they build the resistance in northern Afghanistan to take on the Taliban. Can they defeat them? And what can the U.S. do? We'll get to that and much more news you won't get from the media mob. Set your DVR, Hannity tonight, Fox News. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us. Have a great weekend. God pray for our fellow Americans in Afghanistan and others. And we'll see you back here on Monday. We'll see you tonight at 9.